pleased uh, with you guys being here. Um, thank you, Beryl. Thank you, guys. But let's put our hands together again for Derek tonight. I just want to say quickly, um, Derek um, and Beryl, if, if you don't know them, they're the founders of Alal, which is an inner healing ministry. They've got a retreat up in Pretoria. Um, uh, they've established um, bases in Kenya, Rwanda, KwaZulu-Natal, and Cape Town by faith. Right, we, we claim it, Cape Town. Amen. <laughs> this agreement. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. Bless you. Good, of, no, good evening, church. <laughs> Tell me, is, uh, is 36 a young, still a young-ish? Well, that makes me young. I only got <laughs> saved 36 years ago. So that makes me young. <laughs> Isn't that so? Yeah, I can put my hand up. Anybody very young? Anybody in nappies here still? <laughs> okay, well, bless you. It's lovely to be here with you. We, uh, we really love the, the young people and we love the atmosphere here. And uh, I will tell you my testimony a little bit later as we, as we go through. But it was not always like that. Because young people, and actually the younger they are, the more threatening they are for me. Or well, used to be. But you know what? God comes and heals us. And, uh, and he, can heal us, he can heal us from all, all sorts of things. And I, and I enjoy that, that man's testimony because, you know, it's, God does things even when we least expect it, you know. And so, uh, so we're going to trust God. He's going to do something when we least expect it. And, you know, when we respond to the word, you know how Jesus, when, when Jesus uh, went out to minister, he always preached. He preached the word. What's happening? He preached the word and then uh, he healed people. So the, the preaching of the word or the teaching of the word, whatever you want to say, and, and healing go hand in glove. And so receive, if it's for you, receive it. But you know, when you can give one message, the Holy Spirit gives you another message. And so, you know, he, the Holy Spirit speaks in so many different ways, and, uh, and we're just, we just astounded somewhere. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, rest, restoration from failure this evening. And so, uh, I know you're all slim copy here. You know what a slim copy is. They're all, you're all, what is the clever people. You're going to university. And I'm not talking about that sort of failure that you're going to fail a class or anything like that. That's, that's, not a, that's not failing. That's just maybe just laziness or something. But, <laughs> but actually, fail, failure is a, a, a lot more than that. And I'm going to ask the Lord just to to speak into our hearts. Is that okay with you? And Father, I just say thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we can really just talk about this whole issue of sensing of being a failure. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you'll come speak into our hearts. And Father, wherever that sense of being a failure has come from, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to go back to that root and to be able to deal with that root. And not to look at our present circumstances, really, but to look to see where this thing comes from so we, can, so we can deal with it. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to turn to somebody, please, and say, you are not a failure. 
I'd like you to say again to somebody else maybe, God does not make failures. I'd like it for you to turn to somebody behind you, in front of you, if you're sitting in the back, just, just uh, say to somebody else, God does not make junk. <laughs> Amen. Do you believe that? Okay, somebody said yes here. Do you believe that? Yes. On this side? And that side? Yeah. Well, there you are. You see? <laughs> oh, bless you. You know, we, if you can put up the first slide, please. You know, it's, when you have this sense of being a failure, things happen. You may, you may not be a failure, but you have this sense of being a failure. Maybe something did happen in your life, and it takes you to a place like this. You know, where you, where you just hang, something's happening inside you, uh, and maybe you're embarrassed about something, or maybe it's happened again and again and again, but, but sometimes these, the sense of failure brings up and evokes these emotions. And I'd just like to look at a couple of those emotions. How about emotion of despair? Do you, do you, do you, can you, or anxiety? Sometimes we have anxiety about something. And, oh, man, I can see, I can see that's, that's, Maybe where one or two of you have been. Maybe, maybe a sense of rejection. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a, a thing that's been going on for quite a long time and, and like a depression starts to, to come up. Maybe there is something that says something inside of you that says uh, uh, that I'm not good enough. Or maybe, maybe it, if, it's, if it's really gone really deep, you, you, will, you will have like a, a physical il- illness or you'll feel sick. And maybe God is saying, why are you feeling like that? I can imagine what um, Elijah must have felt when, when Jezebel wanted to kill him, so he runs away. <laughs> and he gets to this cave and God says to him, Elijah, he must have been saying this, doing this. Oh, I'm going to be killed. And God says, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this place? I'm feeling like it. Because, you see, we can invoke these own feelings. We can, something may have happened, yes. But actually, to go that route, we allow it sometimes to manifest in our lives. And so we must, uh, we must look at, at, uh, at how that thing really got there. Um, I want to say to you right in the beginning that God is an encourager. He does not bring despair. Who brings despair? That's, you've said it loud and clear. Who brings despair? Do you, do you guys know that side of there? Who brings despair? Satan. And who does he use to, to evoke these things? No, no, no. <laughs> Well, yes, I suppose he does. 
but actually he uses the demons to come along and he's, you know, when, once we give, give the enemy a foothold, he says, okay, I'll, I can send my army in here. And, you know, those, those demonic little forces, they want, they want to pull you down. They want to hang on you and just <clears throat> pull you down to the ground. And they want you to feel terrible. So we say no to the enemy. But God is a God that restores. If you are in that place, it's not a, the sin of sins. Because we live in a broken world, and this, what, these are the things that happen. But God wants to actually bring restoration to, to you and to us. Uh, let us look what failure really is, means. Failure is uh, uh, unsuccessfully, uh, unsuccessful rather, unsuccessful at uh, achieving a goal. Then you feel a failure. But that, does that make you a failure? No. What about this one? Uh, neglect to do something uh, or doing something that you should not have done. And you feel a failure because that happened. Does that make you a failure? No. You know, when, you know what a failure is? A failure is somebody that when the person, when you're down, you don't want to get up. Or if you start a business, or if you do something, or you take a subject at school or whatever, and you, and, or, or adversity, and you get there and you say, oh my goodness, this is not what I want to do. That, that doesn't make you a failure. So the next thing you go and do another subject. The one that stays down and doesn't get up, that's a failure. The one who starts a business and it crashes, and if he goes into depression because of that, that's a failure. If you want to, if you have a business and it crashes, get up and start again. If you mess up, say sorry, make right, go, go for it again. Okay. Are you with me? <laughs> you agree with me? I am so glad. Listen, Job. The Afrikaners call him Job. I always think of a job. You want a job. I, go, I come back in my garden or something. <laughs> but Job, jo, Job was one of those guys who had a lot of problems in his life. Do you know that? You know, he lost his wife. He lost his family. He lost his riches. He lost everything. But he refused. He had sores all over the body. He took, he took stone or whatever it was and he scraped the sores off his, off, off his body. And his, and his friends were saying, Man, just curse God and die. And he says, no ways. And he hung in there. And God restored him to much better than he was before, much richer than he was ever before. He, 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 God gave him everything that he needed for life. Why? Because he kept his eyes on the one that could redeem him, that could restore him. And that is where we should be, in that place of understanding, that restoration. In, uh, in Job 5, chapter 5, verse 6, it says, A man is born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly upwards. We are born into trouble. Accept it. Handle it. Walk through it. Don't let it put you down. And the enemy of our souls will help us 
when we get to that place, and if we get to this place, oh, he'll help us to pull us right down to that place. And because you have many problems in this world, and maybe you've been wounded through, through situations by, from your father or mother or, or people in the family or friends or, or teachers or doctors or nurses or, or uh, whatever it may be, if you've been hurt, does that make you a failure? No, it doesn't. We are, we are designed in Christ Jesus. Once you are born again and you are in Jesus, we are designed to be victorious. Just say, I want to be victorious. Just say it. Yeah, I want to be victorious. We are, if He is in you, and He, if He is in you and we are in Him, then greater is He that is in us than He is in the world. Do you believe that? Well, we've got to look. You see, if we believe these things, we, we, we actually should live by these things. I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, you are not convinced about that. I know why you're not convinced, because you've got to go, you've got to, you can you can't say, well, Lord Jesus, I, I, am, I am now, uh, I've got you in me. I can do all things. I don't have to study for the next exam. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> but I tell you, when you do everything that you can do, he will do the rest. He will help you. He will, he will, you'll go into exams and those things that you've learned, he'll bring it to memory. Some of us have to learn harder than others. But we cannot just sit back and say, Lord, will you do it all? You. We've got to work. He says work hard. He tells us to work hard. That's it's, it's really, we have to. But Satan wants to prove that he is victorious over you. And you know what he uses? He uses those things, that, those sinful things, those, those uh, the things that you're a little bit ashamed of and and you don't want anybody to know. And if they are sort of those unconfessed things, he will pull, he'll use that to pull you down. That's why God gives us escape routes through Christ Jesus that we can confess it. Lord, I did do it. We can own it. Lord, please forgive me and help me, Lord, to forgive myself for the things I've done. And maybe you have to forgive others who did things to you that have got brought you to that place. Remember those things. They are escape valves. Confess it. Repent of it. Turn away from it. And you will see that you will become victorious. Maybe you will you'll make a mistake again. But after a while you will see. Because this is the, this is the thing here. Uh, in 1 John 5, 19, it says, we, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So we are children of God, but the whole world is still under the control of the evil one. You see, when Jesus comes again, that's, that's, when, that's when Satan will have his day. But at the moment, we're still living in this place where there's going to be trouble, you have to just switch on the television. You can see. You can just walk in the streets. You can see the, the troubles of the world. We can see the issues that are taking place around us. 
Why? Because the, the enemy, Satan, is still in control. There's one, there's one scripture that says, he is the prince of this world. You ask Christians, who's the prince of this world? They say, oh, Jesus. No, he's not. The prince of the world has still got the rights. And he has rights. Why? Because Adam and Eve gave him the rights. When they were, dis- when they were disobedient, when, said, when God said, don't eat of that fruit in the middle of the garden, he gave them a free will choice, and that free will choice is, a, is part of worship. So when we, when we choose to be obedient to what God says, we are worshiping him. When we choose to be a disobedient to him, we make a choice to, to give that part of our life to, to Satan. And we open the door, and, we put, and he gets a foot in the door, and he uses that to bring us down. When we get born again and we get saved, then we have Christ, we have Christ Jesus in us to be able to work through these things, and he gives us gives us that ability to say no to the enemy. And we need to be saying no to the enemy in in these areas of our lives. We need to be, we need to sort of stand sure. We need to stand on that rock of Jesus because of who you are in Christ Jesus, because of what he did on the cross for you. You're not a failure. I'm talking about a sense of failure. Not failure. We're not talking about failure. We're talking about a sense of failure. And that sense of failure is giving the enemy a, a foothold for, for, um, for him to pull you down. I, I've spoken about a little bit about when you're down, we need to bounce back. We, we, we've got to get back to that place where Jesus wants us. And, and the, the way we get back is we have to make decisions to be able to do these things. Decision-making is just so important. Am I going to follow the enemy, or am I going to follow what Jesus did for me on the cross? It's, there's no gray area in these things. There's nothing in between. It's making good decisions. And when we make good decisions, God is, God's right there. Even if, even if you have made a bad decision, Sorry. Say sorry. You see, saying sorry. In other words, owning the things that you did is, is, is something the enemy cannot stop you from saying. The only thing that stops us from saying those things is pride. And if you don't want to go to God with it, or sometimes we have to confess it to somebody, because in James 5 it does say, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. You know, and sometimes we take it to God and we, and, we, and, and, he, and we just feel this whole thing full of us. Sometimes it comes back and come back and then come back again. It's just something that when you confess it to somebody and I go to you and, and I find a, a safe person that I can, I can say these things to, I said, just help me through this. Just, just pray for me. I, Listen, this has happened to my life and I did this and I was wrong and I want to say sorry. And he says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Maybe you have to say, Dad, I choose to forgive you. Maybe not to your dad's face. But by confessing to somebody, I need to choose my dad and say, sorry to my dad. I need to say, speak it out. Dad, I forgive you in the spirit realm. I forgive you. And it's like, it's like that person is that, that spiritual, uh, I don't know, 
I don't know what you call it, but uh, that you, you can't say this thing to a mirror. You know, if you go into a mirror and you say, hey, mirror, mirror, on the wall, I say, sorry. You know, it, does, it doesn't work that way. There's no spiritual thingy there. But when you're speaking to one another, we do a lot of counseling, and, you know, people, they, they come and just speak out their issues. And after they've spoken, out, you know, I feel so much better already. Have you been to that place? Just speaking out, you feel better. It's just like it's, it's being given away. That's what we need to do. Jesus came and he came to rescue us. Can I borrow you for a minute, please? Yes. Oh, yes, you. <laughs> You're sitting here having the fun for that purpose, isn't it? Okay. Okay. Can you just put your hand there? Yes. Okay. And put your other hand. Okay. Yeah. Put your hand there and your other hand. Just stand up. There. There. Okay. Right. Okay. So, here we have. Can you, can you all see? Can this go good for you? Okay. So here we have, can you lift it up a little bit more? There we go. So here we go. Say this is God. This is God. Okay. And then, and then, and then Jesus was here. No. God, this is God. And then he, man comes here. And then Satan comes here. Okay. Right. That's before the fall. In the Garden of Eden, that's what it was like. God, man, Satan. But when man decided to obey Satan, what happened then? He took away the authority and the power there from man and we gave it to Satan and we come here. Okay. So now we have God, Satan, man. And so if you're not saved, you're not born again by the Spirit of God, what happens here is when you... When you're praying, it feels like your, your prayers are hitting this, the ceiling. Or if you are in sin, you're born again, but in sin, it feels as if your prayers are not getting through. That's what happens. But when you really come to repentance, God comes and he, and, and he saves us, and He brings us back to this place. When Jesus died for us, and we said yes to Jesus, He takes us here, back to there. So, he has power, but also has power in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, I say, demons, get off me. Why? We have the power of Jesus because Jesus was the only one ever, ever, ever that ever lived that never bowed the knee to Satan. And so he gives us that power and authority. Okay. So when we give the devil a foothold and it becomes real bad, it comes, we come here. So we don't want to be there. We want to, we want to stay in that place. Yeah. Thanks, but thank you. So when, when a, in, a, in a Psalm 34 verse 19 says, A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Psalm 34 19. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, it says, make, we, Paul, Paul comes along, Paul comes along, and, he, and, and do you know the, the life of Paul? He, he was called Saul before that. He, he killed Christians, he, he, he murdered them, he, he persecuted them. And then, and then he, on the road to Damascus, he gets saved, and, and, and he goes away for, for about eight years, I think it was. It was. He, he just disappears, and, 
and people had taken him and they started to equip Paul. He comes back and he goes to all the super apostles and, he, and, uh, and they, they all heard about this, this Saul who is now, is now Paul. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. Now you tell me if this is healing or not. He says to the, he says to the guys there, to the, the, the Christians there, uh, he says, make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. <laughs> That's what Paul said. How could he say that? After all the things he had done. You see, he knows his healing. He knows his salvation. He knows who he is in Christ Jesus because that part of his life has gone. And the enemy has no right over him anymore. So when you come to the place of coming to say, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry. You know what true sorrow or true forgiveness is all about? When you forgive somebody for what they've done against you, true forgiveness is as if it never happened before. As if it never happened. And so Paul understood that. And it didn't put him down. He didn't go into depression. He didn't go into anxiety for the things that, that he had done before. But does that mean we don't, we, we don't make mistakes? No. Bill, Bill and I often tell people, have a, have a mistake on us. Because we still, have a, we still make mistakes. Does that mean we, we never sin? No, of course we sin, but we try not to. And if something repeats itself, I need to go for help quickly. And that's not a license to go and sin. I'd like you to put up that next slide, please. I'll, I'll show this uh, over, the, over the weekend. This, this, is, this is how we, we sometimes grow up. You know, we grow up, we learn all sorts of different things, and we, and we, and we come to know Jesus, and we... And we come from different backgrounds and different whatever. And, and we, we, we have truth. And so we, when we start learning the truth about Jesus, we, we put in the truth rule. But many of the things that you learn about God and about Jesus and about the Bible are lies. I can remember Beryl, Beryl was saying, I just see God as this, this father with a big stick. And he's waiting for me to make a, a mistake. And is that truth? But that's what she believed. It took a lot to get that old way of thinking that she'd heard from her grandparents or wherever that that was who God was. Or that's the impression that she had. So the impression that she had, she put it into a truth rule, which was a lie. And so the lies that we believe about a lot of people still saying, you don't have to be born again. Is that a truth or a lie? It's a lie. So, so we got, we got, we got uh, lies in the they got lies in the truth rule. So when you learn these things, we have to start refiling some of the stuff to be able to, uh, to bring that plumb line for you where you are this morning, to bring our life into that plumb line and trying to get the truth of God into us. And then we, then we hear something and we don't know where to put it. Is it a truth or is it a lie? So we put it in the pending box until such time we know what to do with it. 
until somebody comes and says, you know, and teaches something, oh, yes, oh, oh is that so? I'll, now I can refile it. But what does God want for us? He wants us to know the truth about who he is, and he wants us to know the truth about who you are in him. And that truth is, is, uh, is, is it's very important to know who you are. Are there times that you, that you are disobedient? And when you are disobedient, how does it make you feel? Condemnation wants to set in. Guilt sets in. Shame sets in. There are, but there are some of these, these, uh, these disobedient factors that there are huge consequences to it. And so we can say, okay, let us take the extreme. You can be a Christian if you murder somebody. You can say, sorry, God, but there's a consequence. God forgives you over a period of time. He will forgive you. Maybe if you forgive you immediately, but there's a consequence. And that consequence is that you would have to go to jail. It doesn't take the consequence away. The consequence is still going to be dealt with. If you are a, if you are a young man and a young girl and you and you sleep together, you're not married, and a little, there's a baby on the way, we say to God, oh God, please forgive us for what we've done. He forgives us. But the consequence is, it's a baby. And the consequence is, you can look after the baby for the rest of your life. And we should change our heart about it. Say, Lord, thank you for this, but, but actually, I'm just trying to give an expression of, of, uh, or an example of these things. Successful people, hear this, successful people have many more failures than any other, any other person. Because they try something. I'm a, I, I call myself a little bit of a, a pioneer. I love pioneering things. I like starting new things. But you know what? I, I will say, this is the path I must go down, and I'll run down this path, and I'll to realize I'll say, I hit my head on the wall over there, and I have to say, sorry, Lord. Where did you say I must go, right or left? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so we, we, can, we can be so enthusiastic for God and not ask God which way to go. And so, we, so when I get there, I think, oh, I have messed it up. Look at all the people that are now following me down this path, and I have to get there and say, oh, you guys, I guess you I am sorry. And we have to turn around. So what did you, why did you take us up this path? We knew it was the wrong path. So why didn't you tell me? You know? So we, we, have to, we have to get back to that place. Okay, let's ask God, you know, where is the right way to go? And so we can make mistakes. It's not wrong to make, make mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only those who never achieve anything never fail if you aren't going out to achieve something you will never fail if you're just sitting in that little chair and you don't want to get involved with ministry you will sit in that chair until the chair gets flatter and flatter and only those who get up and do something can make mistakes who's God going to use those who sit or those who do something? 
Beg your pardon? Those who do something, even if you make a mistake, you are willing, your heart is to do it. And I tell you what, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Because the pastor will say to you, maybe you should not have done it that way. Or maybe your lifestyle needs to be corrected or brought into line. And we'll say, yes, pastor, will you help me? But if you're going to run away and behind the door, go and do whatever you want to do, and you come back and fake it until you make it stuff, you know, God knows every move. And, and he'll expose those things. It's always better to fail at doing something than excel at doing nothing. There's bias still in me. Like, it's really quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> it's always better to do something. God says that must, uh, sorry, the, 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 my, my dad said um, many things to me. And, you know, and, and when my dad said things to me that were really negative, those were the things that stuck most. When I, when I wonder our dad or mom says something, especially your dad, if he says that. And I want to just want to tell you a bit about my, my testimony because I have a testimony of sensing that failure and, and just being just that rejection and everything. Now, my, my dad loved me. Uh, I, I, know, I know he loved me, but he wasn't. A, he was a broken man himself, quite a quite a heavy drinker, smoker, and all that stuff. Uh, but but he was he was he was okay. But he was also a military man. So when when people walked down the down the street or whatever in the office there, they would pass, you know, or come into his office. Oh, got <laughs> And so when he comes home and he says, Daddy, give me a glass of water, please, he expects me to go, yes, sir. And if I, if I was reading a little bit long or doing something too long, I would, ooh, yeah, I would just feel something here. Didn't I tell you to do something? So, you know, it was that, it was that type of thing. And uh, so I grew up with a, with a little bit of military stuff in my, in my when I was a little, little guy. And when I started going to school, I don't don't know if my mother prepared me so much for it, but uh, my mother had a, a little little bag on my back here, and I went went down to school, and she took me to school, and uh, it was nice. Oh, there were a lot of other kids there. I didn't know that, and so there were all these little uh, clay and things on the on the desk, and sort of playing there. When I looked around, my mother was gone. I didn't expect that, and for two three days, I think I screamed my head off. You know, and so school for me, right in the beginning, it was just like a no-no. So I was forced to go back the next day, forced to go back the next day. And so I really struggled at, at school. And, and as I grew up, there was two teachers particularly. And the one teacher, you know, out of all the school photographs, I've only got photographs of these two teachers. <laughs> all, really, and I was a little guy. Yeah, there, there's me there. There. Oh, 
Now this guy here, this, this guy here, we call him Nobby because he didn't have any hair. He had, so we used to buy him Nobby chocolates. I don't know if you still have them, but they, anyway, this guy, he was the cadets instructor. And so uh, uh, at that stage, I, I had got many hidings and I developed a fear of authority. I mean, I didn't know then. And in looking at now, I realized it was a fear of authority. And so I developed a stutter. I could not talk in front of property. And so those days, the best way to, to deal with that is to get up front here. He would take one of the kettle drums, the drumsticks, and he would... You know, they smack us here on the, on the sock line. So I didn't leave a mark because the socks would be rolled down. And he will, he will give us hidings. Sometimes we would have to buck and he will give us hidings with a drumstick. The next, the next other, the other photograph is of, a, of a, this, this young guy. He wasn't very much older than us. Probably about 10 or 15 years older than us. But, but he was the, the other one is the English teacher. This is the Afrikaans teacher. This guy used to... Used to uh, pull us on the ear and pick us up on the ear. It's like this. Isn't it? Now, and, and he did this because if you, if you are stuttering and you can't read, you, 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 would, you would really struggle. So you're trying to get these words out and he will come back and he'll pull you up on the ear or the other guy would come and knock you on the, on the socks. Anyway, that's the... So the, that is the those, the... those days you could still do these things. So for, for school, for teachers, for anything else, I really struggled. In the pl- on the playground, no problem. I spoke normally. Get into the classroom, and I would eventually stand with my little reader, and I would hear them coming behind me, and I wouldn't even read afterwards. I would just have it there. <laughs> you know. so, so, the sense of failure that I grew up with, and the rejection because the boys didn't reject me. Because they, 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 were, they were the outcasts. Really. But, but the teachers, they really st- struggled with that. So when I went to work, grew up, went to work, and I, uh, I, I had a job to speak over the telephone quite a bit uh, and take orders and things like that. So, so I really just struggled in these things because I knew the people at the, the other end were mostly adults and and whatever, so I, I really, I really struggled. Then, uh, then I got called into the pastorate. I was then 40 years old, uh, and I wasn't starting as badly. But when I, when somebody of authority walked into the room, that's when I started to grab me again. So I get called. We get called into the pastorate. We and we we're sitting there. I can talk to any other pastors. I was I was doing quite well. But when the senior pastor came in. And he asked me to say something. I struggled to get those words out. I mean, I was 40 years old. The first, um, the first two weeks, I think I was in, in the past, I got a f- telephone call from a school, a technical school that was in, in my area. And they asked, uh, I hear that you're new here. Would you like to come and speak to our boys? Uh, 800, 800 boys. In, in this technical college and uh, just to give a 10-minute word 
And I said, yeah, it'll be fine. Thank you very much. Put the phone down. And I, as I put the phone down, I realized what I've just said, that I need to go back to school. I have to go and face all those teachers, or, or 800 boys. The fear that came up in me at that stage, it was horrific. I did everything to try and get out of it. I even gained down, I said, Lord, driving down to the school that, that day, it was about two weeks before, driving down that day, I, uh, I asked the Lord, Lord, help me, just, just give me a little bit of an accent. So let somebody bump the car, but not damage it, just, uh, just so I can phone them up and say, listen, I, I'm sorry, I'm in a bad accident, you know. And the next thing, I'm driving into the schoolyard. And as I get closer to the hall, I can hear the boys in the hall. My pants were going like this. And I walk around the corner, and there on the veranda were about 30 teachers. And I looked at this, and I said, oh, my God, what am I doing here? And, he, and I, they asked me to give a 10-minute message, and I, and I struggled for two weeks to give a 10-minute to prepare something. And, and, and when I, yeah, I'll tell you about it. Anyway, so we get there, and the, I heard that the principal of the school was an alcoholic. He was an entry guy, nice guy, but he was an alcoholic. So, yeah, is the principal. Then it's me and 30 teachers behind me. And we go into the hall, up on the stage. And they all go and sit down, and I sit down as well. And then they sing a song. They call Derek for a for the icebreaker. <laughs> and I'm sitting there giving this, this message. And I'm sort of halfway through this message. And I hear a voice. And he says, I want you to make an altar call. I was, yeah, the boys, just like you know. Yeah, the teachers. And I looked around and who said that? <laughs> 800 boys here. Who said that? And they're all looking at me. So I thought, oh my goodness. So I, I carry on, and just before the end, I hear this voice again. I want you to have an altar call. And I knew it was God. So I said, excuse me, boys. And I went to the, to the, to the uh, principal. I knelt down next to him, and I said, I believe God wants me to have an altar call. He says, what's that? <laughs> so I said, well, it's, I, I just need to make an invitation for, for, for the kids to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. May I do it? He says, yes. So I go back and I tell the kids what, what I felt God is saying. And so after, the, after the, the, the whole session of all the notices and things, like he calls me up again and I said, anybody that said that prayer, I want you to stay behind. About 200 boys gave their heart to that Lord. And I got all their names and I gave them to all different churches. And, you know, it was, it was really an amazing I had to go back to that place where I got hurt almost to get my healing. And it was from that point on, I've, I can feel it coming up every now and again, but it's, it's no more issue. For me standing here, it's a miracle. And let me tell you another thing. When I was about the same age, about 12, 13, I was uh, in Port Elizabeth, and I, I used to go to an Anglican church. I used to go to church by myself. Nobody told me to go to church. I went to church. And I became a server in this uh, altar boy in the, in the 
Anglican church, high Anglican church, where they had incense and carried candles around the place. And, and, and I wore a long dress with a little white thing here. You've seen them on the movies, eh? And, and so I used, to, I used to carry some of these things around. But anyway, one, one of the Sundays I was not on duty. And I was sitting there. And, and, I, and, uh, and I heard God speak to me. And I said, I want you to serve me one day. I was, it was about that age. I want you to serve me. Because I couldn't speak then, I rebelled against God. And I moved. I never went back to church until I met Beryl and the family. And we went up in Namibia. And we started going to the, to the Methodist church. But for 20, nearly 25 years, I think maybe 15 years or so, I never went to church again. Why? Because I had a fear that I had to stand up and speak. Like that guy that was speaking, you were poop it up there somewhere on the halfway to heaven. He was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was up there and I had to do this. And I said, no way. I was out of that church. I never went back. And you see, God had a plan for my, my life. And he had to get me to a place where I could get healing of the stuff. Sometimes God's got a plan for your life. We go to we go to to um, to, uh, to LL Ministries, the year two thousand. We get to LL Ministries, and we get there, and uh, we believe God has now called us out of the ministry to our, our pastors and go and train to come and establish LL in South Africa or in Africa. And I get to we get there. Now remember, I got saved when I was forty years old. Lots of issues. Get there, and we're sitting on some of these teachings, and I'm, after about two or three weeks, I know God was saying to me, he said, Derek, I want you to go back to South Africa. I want you to establish this ministry in, in Africa, but I cannot use you as you are. I had to make a decision to allow everything to come out so that, so that, that I can have, that the enemy would have nothing against me after that. Did I feel a failure? Of course. I felt it. But I wasn't going to let get me down. I had to deal with it. We have to deal with the stuff. I was born again. Speaking in tongues. I was, a, I was evangelizing people. I loved evangelizing people. We, we worked in, a, in, the, uh, in the city center of Pretoria. Over the 1990... Uh, 2000, sorry, 2004 period where the, the whole apartheid thing crashed. It was, it was the toughest years but the best years of our lives. They're getting to know some of our black friends who we have today. God had to take us through so many things. Because why? He wanted to use us for the nations. And he wants to use you for the nations. He wants to use you. Every, everyone, because every one of us, God wants to use you. you don't know, I'm not talking about going full-time ministry, but in the university, wherever you are. I want to, I want to close off. You give me the next one. Now, there was a time that I was t- telling you about that we went through, I went through a dark, what we call a dark night of the soul. You know, when you, when you really 
have messed up. And you feel that you are just worth nothing. In those times, there is somebody behind you, holding you. It doesn't feel like it, because it feels as if you're all alone. But I tell you, Jesus is there. He knows you're not rejected. See, I've got the, the hammer, and I've got the chisel, and you can, there's, a, there's a chain line here. But we were, if you, when, you, when you do things wrong, you are crucifying Jesus all over again because I'm born again. And we, and we crucify Jesus all over again. And Jesus comes along and he says, you're not a failure. You, you're not rejected. You are not no good. You are good. You are what I want you to be. You are worthy. And it was, this, it was in, a, in a time like this where you feel the worst of the worst. This is where God comes through for you. There is nothing that you can, could have done, even if it was a bad thing, and what you consider to be a bad thing. There is nothing that you could have ever done that He won't come and help you. Sometimes our parents do bad things to us. Sometimes people do bad things to us. God comes along. And he says, I'll help you. Maybe we need to forgive. Because we can't go into, into to do great things for God with unforgiveness in our hearts. We have to forgive. Matthew chapter 6 says, if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive you your sins. So we have to forgive. Even if it's very difficult to forgive, we, we need to forgive. You're not rubbished. Jesus will look at us like this. He says that a, a flawed diamond is worth much more than a perfect brick. You get that? A flawed diamond is worth much more than a perfect brick. And you see, we all got our flaws. Who, who has never failed? Yeah. Just stick up your hand. Are oh, you just washing your hair? <laughs> We've all been in that place. Some of us have been in that place, perhaps to a deeper extent than others. But if it's this deep or that deep, the feelings are the same. God wants to bring you. God tests us. Job 23.10 says, but he knows the way I take. And he tests us. He tests us to see, for you to see how you're doing. He knows how you're doing. But he puts this test across so you can come forth as that God. And why? Because we have walked the road with God. And he says, I have kept my way without turning aside. I have not departed from the, from the commandments of his lips. And I have treasured uh, the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Now I'll tell you what, when you start walking in that road with God, God will son, he'll still tell you tests. Why do you want to, why does he test us? Because you know what's like going to school? You, you're in that place now, you're in your first year, second year, third year. To get from one year to another, you have to pass through some tests. 
if you don't if you don't learn the test, you stay where you are. And only when you pass all the tests, you can get to your doctorate or whatever you want to be. There are tests. There are spiritual tests that God will put us through. God wants to bring us to a place of maturity. And I've got, I've got a lot of things here. Abraham, he messed up. David messed up. Uh, uh, Peter messed up. Uh, um, Joseph messed up. Uh, Simon Peter messed up. Simon Peter, I want to end off with this. Simon Peter, and he says, uh, Jesus says to Simon, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan asks you to, to shift you as with that's after he, after he had uh, denied Jesus three times. And he says, Simon, uh, uh, that I've, Jesus says to him, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. For his faith may not fail. So you can, when you fail, make sure your faith does not fail. He's, you can you put your test and you know you're going to fail. But don't let your faith fail. And, 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 he, and he goes and, and he fails. And, and Jesus restores him. Now, I, want, I, want, I want to stop there because I can't, we don't have time. Father, I just pray, Lord, that for each one of us. Lord, in those areas where we have really just messed up, Father, you want to bring that restoration back into our lives. Can we just have some music at the back of this? And I think, no, I, would, I would like us to, I, I don't think we should come forward, but let us, as we're just praying, let us ask the Lord to speak into us. And if you, if you feel that this is for you, that we, I'm just going to say, stand up and just, by standing up, you just identify with God. And Bill's got a word that she would just like to bring before we go into prayer. I was just, um, as I was praying for tonight, I, I really just sense that, especially in the area of, of parents, a mom and a dad, it's almost like I just felt in my heart that maybe there's some, one of you here or some of you that feel that you've never quite come up to the mark. The expectations have been so high for you and you've never really come up to the mark. And it's almost like the Lord is saying to you, I have accepted you. I love you. For me, everything is perfect. And I just felt that you've been trying for such a long time to almost win the, the, the okay of your parents. Maybe we, they would say, well done, or I'm proud of you. But I feel that the Lord is saying tonight, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that you're here tonight. I'm so proud that you're worshipping me. I'm so proud that you chose me. It's not about all the other things. They're worldly things, but you've chosen me. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I'm so proud of you. And I just feel if you, if you have that burden, maybe it would be a good thing to stand for prayer tonight so that we can pray for you. Just close your eyes and stand up. Don't worry about the people behind you, next to you. Just, if you've, no, only stand up if you feel that you would like to give something to the Lord. Yeah. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I've had that sense of failure. 
There are things in my life, Lord, that I've, I've really messed up. Maybe nobody knows about it. Maybe I'm the only one, but you're the only one that knows about it. God knows about it. Lord, we don't want this to be hampering or a block in my life. And Father, I just want to confess. Just say that just softly across your lips. Father God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Sometimes that sense of failure was caused through somebody else. And you stuck now in that place where you do the wrong things over and over again. Let us say this. Lord Jesus, I choose now to forgive. Just mention that person's name softly. I choose now to forgive those people. Maybe one person, maybe many people. Just say their names. Lord, I choose to forgive. Mom, Dad, John, Jack, Joan. Lord, I pray, Lord, as I forgive them, I give them, forgive them from my heart. And I pray, Lord, that you would release me from all unforgiveness. Lord, I choose also now to forgive myself. And I speak to myself now. And I say, Derek, just mention your name. I choose to forgive myself. Lord, will you please remove from me now all guilt, all shame, all condemnation, all rejection. Father, that you will just come and, come and cleanse me in these areas where I have not been able to be myself. Lord, I want to be who you want me to be. And I choose, I choose now, Lord, to receive that forgiveness from you. That I may become the person that you want me to be. I ask Holy Spirit that you would just work in my heart right now. That when I go out of here tonight, Lord, I will just come to you and say thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for me in the cross. Help me, Lord, to be forever grateful for what you've done for me. To come and rescue me. To come and save me. Lord, I want to do your will. I thank you, Lord, for, for saving me at this young age. Lord, I've got a lifetime ahead of me to be able to, to serve you. Father, I pray that you provide for me, that you, would, that you would protect me from all evil. But Lord, I know that I'm going to make mistakes. 
But Father, I don't want to. Lord, help me to make right with you in those times of weaknesses. Holy Spirit, please help me through this life to be able to serve the Lord Jesus in spirit and in truth. Lord Jesus, just lift your hands now. Just, just, even if you're seated, just lift your hand. Lord Jesus, I receive. I receive healing. I receive healing in my, in my emotions. I give, you, I give you my pain. My hurts. Those emotional ups and downs. I give it to you now, Lord. Help me to be stable in all the things that I do. That I will have discernment. That when I read a book, I will know what is right and what is wrong. When I, when, I, when I hear a sermon, I will know what is right and what is wrong. And Father, I pray that you will mature me in Christ Jesus, that I may know your voice and I will walk in, that, in, your, in your ways, the way that you, that you want me to walk. Lord Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to, I want to be equipped by you. Lord, help me to be in this place, in this church that I can, I can receive that equipping so that I can go out into the world because you said, Lord, you love the world and you gave your son for the world. You gave, your, you gave Lord Jesus, you gave your life for the unsaved that they may receive you. And Lord, you growing me up to be able to be your witness and to invite those people to receive you as Lord and Savior. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be your servant here on earth, to continue your work. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for choosing me. Father, I thank you for your incredible goodness. I want to declare now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am not a failure. For greater is he that is in me that is in the world. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that I can live by that. I am, Lord, I am, I am your child. And Father, I just say thank you that you chose me before I chose you. What a privilege. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for choosing me. God's people said. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Don't you want to give somebody close to you a tricky and say Jesus loves you? Yeah. Bless you. I just um, I sense the need for us just to spend some time in God's presence and continue in worship. But before we're going to do that, um, I want to just invite you um, over this weekend and this morning and this, uh, this afternoon again, um, we, we obviously spend a lot of time on the teaching, but we don't have enough space necessarily just to allow God's presence to come and complete His work in us. And I want to encourage you in two ways tonight. Let's be courageous in allowing God to go deep in our hearts, um, but let's give Him the time and the space. And so, um, this week on Wednesday and Thursday evenings, 
we're going to be here and we're going to do a healing service. There's just going to be lots of time for you just to sit in the presence of God. When we just sit in that place in the presence of Jesus, we allow Jesus to be Jesus. And he's the same Jesus that, that healed the sick and he heals us. So I want to encourage you to come to that. And then on Tuesday evening, it's a, spe- a specific session. If you feel called to the healing ministry and you want to be equipped, uh, please register for that um, as well. I want to just pray for us um, as I just want to ask God just to, just to give us that courage um, to allow him to go deep. Um, courage and humility. That recognition, maybe, maybe I have been healed, but there's, there's still some things in me that I need to just bring my heart to Him so that He can complete the work. So, Father, we thank You for Your presence in this place. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your healing presence. Thank You that You make all things new, Jesus. And we just declare that. We declare it of our hearts, of our souls, of our minds. And, Father, I specifically want to pray for for some of us, I sense God, we've, 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 we've seen ourselves through the eyes of the world. And we've not seen ourselves through your eyes. And I pray, God, that you would heal our eyes. And heal our self-image, God, the way we 